Louie? Oh, that's right. Louie took December off. Well, the Capricorn in me won't let that happen, so I guess I have to think of something. Wait. What if I, Gavin, a well-known Scrooge, went on the search for a holiday movie that I could actually get behind? That's perfect. I'll invite ghosts of podcast past and podcasts yet to come to join me and present to me one of their favorite holiday movies. Who knows? Maybe my heart will grow three sizes for every new movie. This is a The Mixed Reviews special presentation, Gavin's Holiday Gauntlet, part one. Our first guest is a returning favorite, Chelsea Eicholtz, producer and podcaster from the Untitled Cinema Gals Project, the Community Rewatch Podcast, and Those Gals Have Moxie Podcasts. Chels, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I saw your message and I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Absolutely, yes. (laughs) I sent out a sleigh-shaped bat signal and was like, please give me some work to do. I need the work. And I was like, homework? I love homework. I want to do this. (laughs) That's genuinely me all the time. I'm like, what can I learn? (laughs) What can I, what is downtime? Louis like, I'm really busy. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, um, me too. Uh." Louis said self-care and we said, nah, not for us. (laughs) Chels, thank you so much for joining me again. You were on one of our favorite episodes of this past year which of course was our Audrey Hepburn episode. So fun, so informative. I learned so much from that episode. I'm still really happy you suggested that to us. And actually, I still can't get over listening to her biography and like weeping at the details of her death. So I don't know, that episode has meant a lot to me this year. What have you been up to since? Oh my goodness, I have rewatched many Audrey Hepburn films. (laughs) None of our zero star reviews, because that's what I would call those. But goodness. Yeah, I I don't think I'm going to revisit any of those. (laughs) Yeah, no, I will encourage listeners to not. But definitely listen to that episode. It was fun. I literally watched everything she ever made for that, even a tourist (laughs) film. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But tonight, we're not here to talk about Audrey Hepburn, but we are going to talk about one of her most famous co-stars. So what holiday film have you presented to me? as a challenge so i could have went two ways i could have chosen chaos or i could have really leaned in to this and i decided to lean in because i'll invite you to my chaotic podcast to talk about the other one and i'm like what's a great holiday film oh yeah hot people holiday that's right holiday from 1938 directed by george cooker and starring of course the beautiful Cary grant and the gorgeous katherine hepburn I, it's funny, we talked very, very briefly about this movie in our Cary Grant episode, but I love this movie. It was actually introduced to me uh, by a friend of mine, my friend Melissa, and I'm shocked I had never seen it before because I love both of those actors so much. Um, The other thing I want to say is what fun to start this podcast off with a not a Christmas movie. This is mostly a New Year's movie and it is the (laughs) holiday gauntlet. So I'm not keeping it to one holiday. So I love the fact that you chose something that I was both enamored with already and could totally get behind, but then also was like, oh, I don't have to listen to a bunch of Christmas carols and I don't have to watch a bunch of people fake being nice to each other. Because <laughs> here's the thing. I also do not like most Christmas movies. I just <laughs> yeah. do not care for them. Love Actually, I hate you. Like, 
Yeah. It's the time of year where I ignore so many things going on, and then I'm like, oh, wait, holiday. I watched this last New Year's Eve, like, coincidentally, not even thinking about the theme. I was just on Criterion Channel, and I'm like, this is a great way to wrap up the year by accident. It truly is. I mean, th- this is the fun thing about this is, you know, this is around the era of the screwball comedy, so it incorporates a lot of those elements in that for most people who don't know what screwball comedy is, a lot of the times it's it's very fast, it's very quippy repartee between characters, dialogue coming at you. There's occasionally elements of slapstick, especially when Cary Grant is involved. <sighs> I mean, we mentioned on his episode that he used to be an acrobat, and he really shows that off in this film. He's constantly doing flips, he's carrying Catherine Hepburn on his shoulders, and not just carrying on his shoulders. It's not like she's just on his back. She is standing full up top it's it's really amazing i love both of these performances i love them so much Cary grant i've said for so long canonically the hottest man he is so silly and funny <laughs> and like just because one your episode that i listen to about Cary grant i know about his background but i always believe whatever character he is he is so hot but it's like yeah i completely believe that he is just this average dude walking around and stuff and just happens to fall in love with somebody and doesn't care <laughs> about her money i just love it now i guess we should explain the plot to people it's i mean it's a very sort of simplistic plot um Cary grant plays johnny case Uh, who is a self-made man. He doesn't have a lot of means, but he does seem to have some means. And he's going to marry this woman named Julia Seaton, played by Doris Nolan. Now, what's funny is this role was originally going to be Rita Hayworth. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and then they were like, she couldn't... They thought that she maybe couldn't hold her own against Catherine Hepburn, which I think is like, I, I still... I don't know. I think she could have done it. I think it. she would have been fine. Like, Catherine Hepburn is one of our greatest performers. I mean, she, like, has the Oscar record, most best actress wins. But also, she was a really good scene partner, and she elevated everything yeah. and everyone around her. So, essentially, Julia, his fiance, wants to introduce him to the family. She tells her father, while they're at church for Christmas, that... <laughs> He will be attending lunch with them. And oh, by the way, she's getting married to him. Um, his fa- Her father is a very rich man. She also has an older sister who's played by Catherine Hepburn, who's sort of no-nonsense, free spirit. And they have a younger brother, Ned Jr., who is an alcoholic and maybe queer-coded. But also so handsome. <laughs> Oh, very much so. I mean, first of all, really great looking family. And this is a complete sidetrack. But as I was watching this, I was like, you know, Doris Nolan looks so much like Greta Gerwig that if they ever remade this, I want Greta Gerwig in that role because it's also something very different for her. Also, she would thrive in screwball comedy. Oh, But funny enough, they almost cast Irene Dunn in the Catherine Hepburn part, and I've been thinking for a while Greta Gerwig would make a great Irene Dunn as well. So there you go. So why don't we just remake the whole movie with all Greta Gerwig, even in the Cary Grant Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) She's hot enough. I believe in her. Chaos ensues from there. Her father doesn't think Johnny's good enough. Her brother's sort of ambivalent. And the older sister, Linda, who's Catherine Hepburn's character, starts to fall in love with Johnny, even though she doesn't want to admit it. As the movie goes on, you sort of learn that Julia herself is 
maybe a little too high society for Johnny. Maybe cares for too much of the finer stuff in life. And Johnny's not that person. He would gladly turn his back on the wealth in order to just be with the woman who loves him. And of course, that woman's actually Linda. So that's, I mean, the very Cliff Notes version. Most of this movie takes place uh, on New Year's Eve. There's a big New Year's Eve party that is also the the sort of coming out party for Julia and Johnny as an engaged couple. Uh, but Johnny doesn't spend most of the time at the party. He finds both Linda and two of his friends from his non-upper-class life having a mini party in the old music room. And most of the film takes place there, actually. This was based on a play. Obviously, there's a reason that most things take place in one room. It makes it much easier for staging. Um, But this is also not the first time this movie was made. Nope, not indeed. (laughs) (laughs) So, 1930, this film was made by Edward H. Griffith. It was a pre-code movie. Um, It starred mostly, I mean, most people remember Mary Astor. Mary Astor was uh, Julia. She was the, whatever you call it, the materialistic sister who they're engaged at first. And then actually Anne Harding played Linda. And I had to watch this film for my dear Kevin Jacobson's Oscar runner-up best actress thing because Anne Harding was nominated for an Oscar for this role. And I ranked her last because I was so bored. Wow. I mean... I will say, so I did when I had no idea that this movie was a remake, which is funny. I guess I just lacked that part of research. But when you first mentioned it to me, you'd mentioned you'd seen the original. So I went out of my way to watch the original because it's also like an hour and a half and they're both on the same Criterion disc. And the one thing I will say is it's, you know, contrasting and comparing. I think the problem is, is the original is directed like a drama. And so. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not a lot of that room for the comedy? There isn't. It's also very early sound. And like when I was researching for Kevin's podcast, I found that Anne Harding was hired because of her diction. And people like to have her in films because she could speak clearly for the mics because they were still really trying to figure out sound then. And I think the biggest problem with that film isn't really the actresses. I think the lead male is just such a wet blanket. I was the only child, and I wasn't in a position to be of much help. My mother died the May before my 16th birthday. How sad. Yes, yes, it was sad. I hadn't any connections except for, a, for an uncle in Wilmington who was in the roofing business. He wasn't much good, though. He was inclined to get drunk. Still is. Mm. <laughs> We've got an uncle like that. That's literally what I was going to go for. Uh, Robert Ames, who plays Johnny Case, is certainly no Cary Grant. Oh my goodness, and it's he's... so unfair to go from this very boring, like, I could not pick him out of a lineup and I watched this f- movie no. less than six months ago, and then it's Cary Grant. I watched this movie a week ago, I have no idea what this man looks oh, like. Yeah, I have <laughs> very little memory of the film, and I'm like, I watched this, like, off of the criterion. <laughs> I was glad when Kevin was like, I'm having you on this podcast. I know you have this criterion. Look inside of it because the film is so hard to find. Like, you cannot find it anywhere else. But I will say also, I I will give Anne Harding this. I think she's very good at doing something different than Catherine Hepburn is Mm -hmm. doing. But once again, she's one of the only 
standouts in it. But the original has had a hopper in it and everything. But once again, it is. It's just those, it's those like dead spaces. It's the way that the dialogue doesn't really seem to connect. And I'm sure a lot of it worked better with an audience, but film is a completely different medium. Yeah. Um, Holiday 1938, you know, it is postcode. So obviously there's restrictions on it, but I think they do a really good job at, at sort of twisting the way things happen to to get around some of the you know uh things that would be deemed inappropriate by the code not that this movie is you know very inappropriate but there are some jokes that i was like that's a sex joke mm-hmm. <laughs> i genuinely really love carrie grant and katherine hepburn's chemistry in this movie this was the third of four movies they did together so it's not like they were strangers but there is an immediate ease they seem to have with each other that none of the other actors have amongst them, which is so necessary, I think, to these two roles. And also, I think what's funny is the biggest change that I think Katherine Hepburn plays with Linda than in the original is Linda seems to know who she is from the very moment of the of the first time you see her in the 1930 version, where in this version, I think Linda is aware of who she is, but she's not necessarily aware of what she wants and Mm -hmm. everyone else is. And that's a really funny thing to put into a movie because it's very clear how much her and Johnny are the perfect pair to everyone, including the audience. But she just keeps trying to be like, I got to get Johnny back. I got to get, you know, I got to get Johnny back with my sister. I got to get him in here. I got And it's very funny to me that like, she can't see it. She can't. And it's this weird selfless quality that like she just really cares so much for her sister because she wants her siblings to have that like core familial bond they had when their mother was alive because their father is just materialistic and stuff. And it's just her realization that her sister is just as materialistic as her father. And it's like she was looking at her family through these rose colored glasses and then it kind of just breaks. And then whenever she's able to break away from the family, I am just cheering for her because you can (laughs) see she's so unhappy in this very strange house with like all these different floors and the elevators and people getting lost all the time. And it's just like, oh, she's finally out of that house. Let's let her free. And I love it. And I love how instantly she connects with his friends. Now there's this whole great scene uh, with his friends, Professor Nick Potter and Susan Potter. They're also his roommates, seemingly. He seems to live with them. Does he, he not? He, like, crashes. He's like, I'm yeah. just back from holiday. Here's my stuff. He makes, like, the comments. <laughs> I don't have time to go back to my place. And I'm like, but you have time to go to theirs, sir. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> exactly. And so they're invited to the party. They get lost. They're, they're the ones who first run into Catherine Hepburn in the music room. And they're entertaining her. And I love the fact that Catherine Hepburn's character is so congenial and so at ease with these strangers that none of them stopped to even go look for Johnny at all. <laughs> and, and that he like, she recognizes has... um, Susan Potter as a lecturer yes. and stuff yes. and invites her because she was like impressed with this woman and stuff. And it's very different because like professors like they still do not make a lot of money and stuff. So it's just like the immediate welcome and respect she's giving to all these people who are just kind of seen as a lower class to her other family. It's like kind of nice to see that. And there's like no shame or anything, even though this whole film is about money and shame and family. 
You're Susan Elliott. Yes, my married name is Potter. No, but you lectured once at our school. I'm Linda Seaton. You're not. Yes, but Johnny said her name was Julia. Oh, but Ju Julia's my younger sister. Do you oh. know Johnny? Oh, for years. Well, I'm glad <laughs> to see you. Come oh. in. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, that's my husband, Nick Potter. Oh, you can come in, too. Close the door. So, so this film is about six years post the Great Depression. Um, the Great Depression ended in March of 1933. The original film came out in 1930. So people didn't really see the original film and Johnny's sort of rejection of this wealth, rejection of the job. Essentially, he gets offered a job by their father and he's like, no, I'm not going to take it. And, you know, that in 1930 wouldn't have as big of an impact as it does in 1938. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's an interesting thing because audiences kind of didn't click with that because they were like, we're all out of work. <laughs> like, yeah. Why it's he... like, you're refusing a banker job, like a very cushy, like Catherine Hepburn calls it a clock watcher job. Yeah. And it's like, that's really good money. And at that time, you'd be a fool to, like, refuse it. But also, one thing we don't talk about a lot in this film, and not a lot of people talk about it in general, is he talks about how he had to work from the time he was 10 and his father died and his mother took on the debts. And it's like, he finally got a little bit of money from playing with some simple stocks and getting lucky. And it's like, he's going to take a break for himself just for yeah. a little bit. And AKA that's actually the holiday. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the titular holiday. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the big changes too from the play and the original film is that he is a man of self-made means. You know, we in the original it's not necessarily as much about, you know, how, like how much lower class is he? How, you know, but this one really focuses on well, he worked, and he worked really hard to get where he is. And so he's not interested in these sort of handouts. And he's also not really well off to begin with. And so it's it's this fascinating give and take, I think, that really works with this movie particularly. Um, once again, not to keep contrasting and comparing with the original film, but I, I do think it's interesting to like view both, especially through a 2021 perspective and especially through a film history perspective. Yeah, I agree. Also, my last comment on the uh, other 1930 is, if they had switched Anne Harding and Mary Astor like in the roles, I think it would have been a lot better. I actually completely agree. I think, uh, I think Mary Astor is the one giving the best performance in the movie. Mm -hmm. and, and once again, I don't hate the portrayal of Linda, but I, I don't know. I think Mary Astor would have Put in a better. I think That's so. A, She's so expressive. I've liked her in so many other things. I know what she can do, but it's. I think it's because. I think, like I said, in the nineteen thirty one, when you first meet Linda, you know who she is already, and so there's nowhere else to go with it. And I think Mary Astor could have provided those layers that are sort of mm -hmm. missing from that because Mary Astor does a really good job of playing that like, Oh no, I'm not materialistic. And then by the end it's like, Oh no, we were <laughs> wrong about her. Um, but that's sort of, I, I do like that this film delves into that and, you know, not just to keep harping on the upper class versus the lower class, but I, I do think both movies have a lot to say, you know, as particularly about 
I, I think it's in the original film where they actually flat out sort of like talk a little bit about Marx. They don't say his name, but there's like a, a like bit where one of them says something about comrade and 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 I like that the the movie's sort of like, hey, capitalism, not great, not mm-hmm. the way to achieve happiness. <laughs> And also just another reason I like it as a holiday film, because every Christmas film has something cheesy to it. And this one is like, oh, you don't always have to go for the money or the big thing to find your happiness. You can actually leave all that behind. So it does have that Christmas element without shoving it in your face and being annoying. Now, just to pivot real quick, the chemistry, once again, between Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant There's a scene, a very sweet scene, where they dance together. Linda has gone off on her own. She's in the music room, and she's listening to a music box that I I believe it's implied was their mother's. And Johnny comes in, and it's the first time we've ever really seen these characters. It's the first real spark between them. They've been alone together, but it's interesting because you, you get to watch Cary Grant fall in love with her, and at the same time, you get to to realize, because she's lying to herself, that she's in love with him. And it's a great moment where, you know, he says the lines, there's a grand conspiracy against us. You know, they won't give you time to live and they won't give me time to think. There's a conspiracy against you and me, child. What's that? Vested interests. I know. They won't let you have any fun, and they won't give me time to think. I suppose, like the great fathead you are, you told Father all your little hopes and dreams. Hmm? Pretty disappointing. Bad enough. Poor boy. Hey, what about your own evening? Not so hard, either. Poor girl. Of course, they may be right. Don't you believe it? I don't know. They seem so awfully sure. It's still your ride, isn't it? You know where you want to go, don't you? I thought I did. (laughs) So did I. Pathetic, wasn't it? All my fuss and fury over anything as unimportant as this party. Maybe it is important. Well, if it is, I'm not. And I guess that's the answer. Linda, you're so sweet. Thanks. That's enough. And I think that's very true because if if this movie slowed down for a little bit, though I guess maybe not because 1930 is much slower, but if this movie <laughs> slowed down for a little bit, both of these characters would have the time to realize that they're falling in love with each other, that they are more suited towards each other than they are for, you know, than she is for this rich person's life and he is for, the you know, this trophy husband life. Exactly. I just love that scene so much. It's so romantic and beautiful and the music box playing in the background. It's just so charming. And watching them dance, it's it's so funny because they don't really spend a ton of time looking at each other in that scene. You know, they're both sort of looking over each other's shoulder. But it's the comfort of knowing that they're there together that makes it so they're able to sort of let down their own defenses. You know, she says something along the lines of, you know, you fathead, you probably told father all your hopes and dreams. Mm. And it's such a telling statement because she knows that being from a wealthy family 
they can buy whatever they think would keep them happy. And it, and so she's worried about Johnny being treated like a possession. And she knows that's not what he wants. And certainly it's not what she's wanted out of and her life. And we've seen even the children being treated as possessions because you yeah. look at the son played by Lou Ayers, who I love, and he's just told by his father, I need you to stay until six o'clock at work. And he's like, but I have nothing to do after three o'clock. And he's like, it's for appearances. And you just see that it's all fake and it's all so constructed and it's the littlest thing. And whenever she talks about the hopes and dreams, I am just like, that is so heartbreaking because that's exactly (laughs) what he did. He went in trying to be so genuine and earnest and it's like he just got crushed by capitalism. Yeah, it's a it's a really beautiful movie. I'm glad that you gave me the opportunity to revisit this because it it's so sweet and so funny. And and maybe I've I've hopefully gotten that across that this is a comedy. I mean, this has so it many absolutely so funny moments. Funny. And it's so heartfelt and romantic. I love a good rom-com. We don't get good rom-coms with like actors that have chemistry anymore not really we really don't like i say that as a blanket statement there's usually a couple but it's just no but we don't get it like this yeah i fully understand what you're saying because everybody seems to be in tune on the same wavelength about what movie they're making and they seem really i don't know really working together it doesn't there's no weak link in this cast and it's so funny because Edward Everett Horton, who plays Nick Potter, who is Cary Grant's friend, uh, who is this professor, plays that same role in the in the 1930 version. And, and he's so good in that one, too. He's like my yes. other favorite actor besides Mary Astor. I'm like, oh, he actually understood the assignment. Well, that's the thing. But he doesn't he's not doing the same thing. And obviously the role is very rewritten because he has oh, it's this so whole, rewritten. Like, yeah. And it has so much more life to it in a weird way. So, yeah. And then I just love that, like, everybody knows what's happening. But Catherine Hepburn was the understudy in the original Broadway cast. She only got to do the performance like one time. But like, (laughs) it's already something she knew and it was in her. And I'm like, I'm so glad she got to actually put it out into the world in this beautiful way. Now, we at the Mixed Reviews have not done a Catherine Hepburn uh, episode, but this famously was a period of time in which Catherine Hepburn was considered box office poison. She'd been receiving a bunch of negative you know, reviews and mm-hmm. <laughs> negative publicity. And it's funny because the studio boss, Harry Cohn, uh, you know, told them he was going to put out an ad in Variety saying, what's wrong with Catherine Hepburn? And Catherine Hepburn shot back, uh, look out. They may tell you. <laughs> so <laughs> so they so they didn't do that. But I always think that's really funny. Like she is somebody who always knew who she was. And I think that really extended itself to, you know, not just all the characters she played, but specifically this character who is so self-assured. But I think it's also really impressive to say that she's able to pull off this character who is confident and strong and and like willing to stand up for herself but also is in denial enough to not realize that what she wants is right in front of her and obviously like this man is engaged to her sister so yeah there's a taboo quality to it 
but they dated for like two weeks. So yeah, it's exactly, fine. Exactly. It's fine in my eyes and stuff. <laughs> but, but it also seems pretty clear when you watch them that they're just not meant for each other, you know? And the, and once again, everybody's firing on all cylinders. So it's not like either the the it's not the performances. They're playing everything to the right T. They're just not the right fit for each other. Mm-hmm. Again, I do wish there was a version of this with Irene Dunn as well, because The Awful Truth is genuinely one of my favorite movies. I think it's probably my favorite Cary Grant role that he's done. So it's kind of like how there's a play and everybody does a role and you can have so many versions of the play. I want that for film where I can have a (laughs) hundred different versions of the same film, but with different actors and different interpretations and adaptations. I fully get that. I mean, it's it's one of those things where obviously remakes were much more prevalent back in the day in a way that didn't seem to annoy people because we didn't have home media or any sort of thing like that. So when a movie left the theater, unless was somebody was willing to revive it, yeah, wasn't there anymore. Disappears. And, and now, you know, when we get remakes, people are kind of like, oh, why do we need that? But it's the same sort of thing with like, like you just mentioned, like theater, like musicals are like opera, where people do remounts, reimaginings, re- you know, revivals, and people don't bat an eyelash at that. Yeah. So it, it would only make sense, like, maybe sometimes you do need to bring something back. I think it's fine. Like, yes, we are in a culture where franchise and IP is super annoying, but sometimes you get a remake and it's actually really, really good and it actually improves upon stuff or you just get a different interpretation and it's also fun. Absolutely. So I just, I want to keep these episodes short because we're only talking about one movie. So just to wrap up, any final thoughts on the holiday? I mean... The first time I watched it, I was like, oh my goodness. And like, if you look at my letterbox ratings for the two versions of holidays, one says <laughs> hot and one says not hot, it's just <laughs> such a great film. It's an hour and a half of your time. It's an easy watch. It's so much fun. Just go watch everything Cary Grant is doing. Go watch Bringing Up Baby. It came out the same year. It is, that is just like chaotic though. Like, yeah. that is just, Catherine Hepburn is on one. But yeah, I just, I enjoy the heck out of this film so much, and that that's all I got. It's just fun. It's nice. I love romance. It's funny, because she is such a force of nature, truly. Catherine Hepburn is genuinely a force, and it, it can be harnessed for good or great or just chaotic. And I, lo- I love bringing up Baby, but bringing up Baby is her at her most chaotic. Oh my goodness, it's like that woman just dived into chaos and just brought it to the world. It was the first time we saw real chaos cinema, and I will just throw it out there. Just Google the photo of Katherine Hepburn where it says, go away. Like, I think it's even like my Facebook header. I have it on there. It's just like, please go away or something. It is so funny just how much she did not care about the Hollywood system and how much she was just like, no, leave me alone. And, like, <laughs> she was a very salty woman. She was very fun, like, liked to challenge people and poke fun at them just to, like, see if they would challenge her back. She had a lot of games. But I think she's great. She's such a fun scene partner. I wish we had more Katherine Hepburns. They I say too. we have Frances McDormand and stuff, and I'm like, that's, like, a different flavor of chaos, but Frances yes. still plays the game. I want more not giving a shit. 
<laughs> that's I mean, that's a great solid point. And I guess to close out on a rumination of what makes holiday such a great holiday themed movie is listen, New Year's, it's all about a time for change, a time for new ventures in life. And what could be more adventurous than stealing your sister's fiance and going off to live a life of average means with him? Who amongst us hasn't, you know? I know, genuinely. Let he who hasn't cast the first stone. That's what I always say. <laughs> uh, but, Chels, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me on the first episode of Gavin's Holiday Gauntlet. Can you tell people where to find you and plug anything that you want? You absolutely have as much time in the world as you need. Oh, goodness. I'm Chels725 on Twitter and Letterboxd. I always just recommend reading my Letterboxd reviews because, much like Catherine Hepburn, they are pure chaos. And then I, I think they're great literature. That's my Literature. Opinion. You know, Pulitzer, come for me. With but a no. capital L. <laughs> and then other things I've done. Untitled Cinema Gals podcast. Eventually, I'll drop some more episodes. We might have Gavin on for a Christmas one if I can get my act together. Who's to say? <laughs> Go listen to my Audrey Hepburn episode. I'm oddly proud because I did the homework. I did it so well. And then, yeah, go listen to me talk about holidays some more on Kevin Jacobson's podcast. I also talk about Marlena Dietrich a lot in Morocco because she was also nominated for that. And she is hot. I was going to say talk about hot. (laughs) Oh, my. This is not a Marlena episode, but hot. Thank you once again, Chels, so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. Everyone, I hope you're having a happy holiday season. And I'll be back in just a few with part two. Thank you for listening to this The Mixed Reviews special presentation. If you want to contact us, you can always find us on Twitter at at The Mixed Reviews. You can find us on Facebook. Just search The Mixed Reviews. You can always contact us by our email, reviewsmixed at gmail.com. Feel free to check out our Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to continue listening to the rest of our episodes, subscribe on any major podcast app. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, Audible, Amazon. And if you do listen to us on Apple or Audible, stop by, leave us a five-star rating, and write a little review. We'll read it on the show. Once again, thank you for listening, and I hope you're having a happy holiday.